0: It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network. All right, let's get after it. It is championship weekend. I'm fired up. How can you not be fired up? Championship weekend. and I'm still, Grant, riding that high from last week. I must be honest. 13 seconds is going to uh, to go down in history for a long, long time. After what happened last Sunday night between the Chiefs and Bills, the Grim Reaper nickname, the T-shirts have been printed up. Everybody's making money off of it. I guess
1: I guess we should have tried to make some money off of that as well. What's going on with you? I'm doing great. What a day of football. Absolutely magnificent divisional round it was both days. I mean, you had four consecutive games come down to the final play. You had three straight games come down to the foot of a kicker and then the overtime thriller, the greatest game of my lifetime, certainly the greatest finish of my lifetime, the Bills and the Chiefs. So, let's rock and roll. I mean, this is going to be anticlimactic after last week, but it, we got <laughs> a chance to have a couple of good games on Championship Sunday. I mean, how how could you not have enjoyed last week? And you're right.
0: I mean, even before the Sunday night game, and then also, you know, the conversation we had on this show a week ago was, you know, some of the complaints. You and I were on the same page. The complaints about Super Wild Super wild card Weekend is like. Relax, we're now going to get some great matchups for divisional round weekend. Uh, and, and boy, did we ever. It was, it was incredible football, and now it sets up for a great championship weekend. Of course, we'll, we'll get to the Rams and the 49ers game, another NFC West uh, showdown for the third time. This so happens now it's for uh, a trip to L.A. for the Super Bowl. We could have two straight years where the whole, one of the teams in the Super Bowl are hosting and their own Super Bowl. After never having that before, we might get it for two straight years. Last year, of course, the Bucks hosting down in Tampa. And then we'll get to the Chiefs and Bengals AFC title game as well. But there, there's been rumors out there, Grant, uh, that it could really impact the NFC South, could impact guys' careers, therefore the rest of the NFL, that Tom Brady, the GOAT,
1: uh, maybe retirement is imminent this go-around. Are you buying it? Yeah, I definitely buy it. Anytime someone's almost – you know 50 <laughs> he's in his 40s <laughs> uh and, and you hear that they might retire I'm, I'm certainly buying it remember you know we've heard multiple times over the years speculation that his wife giselle was hoping that he'd step away he's got three kids now who i think are as old as 14 maybe the oldest kid so they're probably busier and have more endeavors and things going on than they've ever had before and as a father of a couple I know what that's like. I mean, you're constantly wondering, hey, am I involved enough? Am I around enough? A- am I helping my wife enough? I mean, even when you're away and doing what you love, uh, sitting here with you talking ball or anything else, you're wondering, you know, am, am I giving enough to to the other side of, of my equation here? So I, I 100% believe and buy that he's contemplating retirement. I won't be convinced that he's going to retire until it happens. I'll just tell you that right now. Right, exactly. Like I, I'm going to assume that it's in play, but I don't expect it. If I got to put some money down in the window today, I'm going to say he's coming back because he's Tom Brady. and And I think he might still be playing long after I'm gone. I feel like this is going to be uh, some cool
0: social media video because his team that helps him with social is fantastic. Generally speaking, it'll happen Super Bowl week again. I don't know which way, but one way or the other, there will be a video that comes out about him either retiring during Super Bowl week or it'll be a video about him saying one my one last go around, right? And I, and by the way, I I don't know how you are with athletes and these retirement tours. I I respect the the hell out of coaches and players that just go ahead and and hang it up without having the gift basket tour of Derek Jeter or Mariano Rivera or anybody else, right? Of the last couple of years in sports, coach K with Duke, for example, I respect Roy Williams for just saying, you know what? I'm done. That's it. I don't, I don't need to spend a year with you guys praising the hell out of me. Tom Brady will get plenty of praise either way. So we don't have to worry about that, but I I don't know where you're at on that. I, I I would, I would uh, respect Tom Brady even more. uh, If he just, you know what calls quits without telling us a year in advance.
1: Yeah, I guess there's something admirable about that. If you just kind of walk into the sunset without getting any of your roses and telling people first, I know that it is kind of in vogue to to think lesser of the, the folks that want their shine. You know, the, the coach K's of the world, let's say, who announced with one year to go, this is my last time doing this. I have no problem with it. I think they've earned it. I think these are some of the greatest coaches in that case or athletes, you know, we've ever watched and experienced and enjoyed. So you know, if they want to go city to city and have a little uh, barnstorming tour where everybody tells them how good they are, doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think they're kind of owed that a little bit if they get to the level of some of the guys that we're talking about. Sure. Um, but I'll say this just as someone who, um, you know, enjoys the juice or the attention or whatever, like I, I can relate to that. I mean, those of us that are in this industry and into this business are lying if we say we don't like it when people are talking about us. I, I admire it because if you can just walk away and, and not get that, not crave that, uh, then you don't have the, the hole uh, in your heart that so many others have, I guess, that are you know looking for that adoration. And the trickle-down effect just in Tampa. I mean, we, we, we know
0: if Brady's gone, Gronk is going to be right behind him in that regard. That's why he came out of his little retirement. We know that. Chris Godwin's a free agent. Yes, he had the, the injury at the end of the season, but you wonder – why, why do you come back? What does Tampa do? Do they try to go a young quarterback? Uh, or do they go and try to find a veteran immediately that can can help them and kind of keep this run going? So there's a lot of implications. Bruce Arians not exactly a young head coach. And then that whole division is just fascinating right now, right? The Saints don't have a head coach with Sean Payton uh, stepping away. I think we're all convinced, right, that he's going to coach again at some point in time, maybe in a year. I believe he could take a year off. And then the Panthers – their coach is on the hot seat entering next year, and Matt Rule. They don't have a quarterback really. And then the Falcons. Just, I, I just think Matt Ryan at this point in time isn't all that effective. So that division, if Brady leaves, just is wide open next season. That's that's fun off season chatter. But we got championship weekend to get to. Grant, let's start with that NFC game. The Niners in LA. Two teams, two coaches. Of course, very familiar with each other. The Niners, three and a half point dogs on the road. The total for this one settling over at Fanduel at forty five. I'll I'll let you start here. Just your general feeling about both those teams after what we saw last weekend, and and then we can dive deeper into some specifics here.
1: Yeah, you you got a a little bit of a contrast of styles, I would say, in that San Francisco has to win despite their quarterback more often than not. Now, they're trying to hide Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen them a couple years ago in this round in an NFC championship game advance to the Super Bowl when he threw the ball a total of eight times. That tells you everything you need to know. Meanwhile, the Rams did everything they could to go out and elevate themselves at quarterback. And they brought a guy in to try to go throw for 5,000 yards and close to 40 touchdowns in Matthew Stafford. And so you've got a 12-7 and team in San Fran that's a little bit lesser talented, I would say. Uh, The 14-5 and Rams who are all in. I mean, San Francisco, I won't say are happy to be here, but it's very surprising that they're here. And the Rams, if they weren't, it would have been a problem. Right, So there is a contrast here and a juxtaposition that I really enjoy. Um, For the 49ers, I hate to simplify it down to the quarterback, and there are other ways to evaluate this, and we'll get into all of them. But they need Jimmy Garoppolo not to beat them. I mean, this is a guy that had a turnover-worthy play rate of 4.9% this year, which was tied with Ben Roethlisberger for second worst in the NFL. Only Mike Glennon, I don't even know if you want to count Mike Glennon, was worse. (laughs) Uh, he had two big-time plays and, and 18 turnover-worthy plays, minus 16 in net, according to PFF. So Big Ben, who had an awful season, and Jimmy G were the worst quarterbacks among full-time starters in the NFL had given the other team chances on the football. So I don't need you to win me the game, Jimmy G. I don't need you to go make the big-time throws. By the way, he's only got 11 all year, 2.7%, one of the worst rates in the NFL. Tua was dead last in the league last year at 2.2%. I'm not expecting you to force balls into windows or get receivers involved downfield. I just need you not to kill me in this game. Let me run the ball with Debo Samuel, who went for 140 all-purpose last time I played the Rams. Let me get Elijah Mitchell going, who had 48 carries in two games against L.A. Because that's what, Alex, the 49ers have been able to do. They've been able to go with their A plan. They haven't had to go to the contingency. They've stayed on script in both of these games against L.A. That's the key here. And that's what's been
0: impressive about the Niners anyway. I mean, I, last week, I, I'll be honest, when you guys listen to the show and watch the show on, on Twitch as well. I mean, I, I thought the Packers were going to cover that spread and not have a whole lot of an issue doing so, but it was the Niners' style of play as you laid out there. They're just going to – look, they, they don't want to get into a shootout, right? They, they, they cannot have this game, to me, be 35-31. Uh, I, I just don't think that's possible, first of all. I, I just don't think they can get to 35 points against this Rams defense. Uh, I'm not saying they have to do that, but that's just not the style of game – where they can be effective and 100% with you on Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, this is a guy that just cannot cost you this game. You cannot allow him to lose this game for you. Therefore, you can't f- put him in a spot where he's got to start dropping back and throwing the ball consistently down the field. That is not what he's built for. With that said, it is pretty remarkable that Jimmy Garoppolo has a chance to go to two Super Bowls in three years. <laughs> um, and and you just how, how difficult that is to do in this league. But also, we know they draft Trey Lance. And so the dynamics here of if he takes you, if you're the 49ers, to a Super Bowl, you gave up all this draft capital for Trey Lance. How do you think that plays out in the offseason? Because like that 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 would be fascinating. We know that Jimmy Garoppolo, if we, just, we watched this past season, with most of the quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, uh, certainly earlier in the postseason with some other QBs, we say good, good enough isn't good enough anymore, right, T- to go and win the big game. But Jimmy Garoppolo might be good enough to get you to – to two Super Bowls in three years now I'm sure you would respond and say well that's Kyle Shanahan and the greatness of a head coach that he is in his scheme and you're it's a testament to him 100% but Jimmy Garoppolo getting the two Super Bowls in three years man like I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo
1: trading him in the offseason gets way more complicated the minute that happens no there's no doubt about that I mean it's easy to sit here and, and I think correctly say he's a passenger And them being in the Super Bowl has a lot more to do with everything else than it does Jimmy Garoppolo. But how many guys have been to the Super Bowl two times in three years over the last 25 years? Now, I'm not telling you he's the reason that that's happened. What I am going to say, though, is to just move on and not think about it at that point. Clearly, when he's healthy, you're really good. You know, When he's healthy, you win a lot of football games. Something works here. This formula has been successful. Now, if you feel good about trey lance then you move on with jimmy g and you don't worry about it as far as i'm concerned because it'll be easy to upgrade at the quarterback position and frankly just going into say next season with jimmy g you're probably not getting to the super bowl anyway i mean that that would be how i would view it if i'm kyle shanahan i would trust in the fact that we've gone on some magical carpet rides it's been pretty crazy but this is not a sustainable model and we got to try to do better at qb you watch the afc title game or are the AFC divisional round game that may end up being the title game, like I did, the Allen Mahomes game. Everyone's trying to to get a alien like one of those two guys, right? Absolutely. Trey Trey Lance might have that ceiling. Jimmy Garoppolo certainly doesn't. Right. But the, the question becomes, I think, financially, like the, the situation you're in. I mean Jimmy G has one year left at around 26 million bucks against the Cap. And then probably because he's been to the two Super Bowls accidentally. Gets a raise. You know, now he's up around $30 million. Meanwhile, you drafted Lance on a rookie contract. So now you can extend Debo. You can do a lot of other things around him. It all comes down. It it is less about Jimmy G to me. It is more about Trey Lance. They watch him every day. They see him in practice. What do they think of Trey Lance? If Kyle Shanahan right now is going, oof, I don't see it with this guy. Then you may have to keep Jimmy G. But if they still think as highly of him as they did before the draft, then you move on, you don't think twice about it.
0: What's interesting, though, about that is, and I guess this is where Jimmy Garoppolo does get credit, because there was a point in time in the season where it seemed like they were going to switch to Trey Lance, and then Trey Lance, I think, had a little injury. He was out a week or so, and then Jimmy Garoppolo started playing better football, and then the rest is history. He's been the guy the rest of the way. Like, if To your point about practice, I mean, if, if Trey Lance was excelling in practice and they saw something and they felt like he gave them better chance to win, like, I, given what they gave up, I feel like he would have he would have given been given his opportunity do you think it's more that garoppolo started playing better or do you think actually if we were to get some true serum with that organization that they really haven't been impressed
1: yet by 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 trey lance at this point because that that would be
0: a little concerning to me
1: yeah my guess is both but but i would say i don't think garoppolo other than a like a one-month stretcher show where he didn't turn the ball over and as because of that you know quarterback rating is very simplified if you're throwing touchdowns and not throwing picks you got a good one But at that time, he had one of the better ratings in the league for about a month or something like that. Like, that definitely buoyed him. That helped him. Don't get me wrong. But I believe when you trade what you did to go get Trey Lance, if that guy was showing you a ceiling that Jimmy G couldn't provide and you didn't have to worry about the floor, he would have been playing more. I I just think if I had to guess, I would say they haven't been overly impressed with Trey Lance because I don't think the plan – regardless of what Kyle Shanahan was saying, was to actually ride with Jimmy G for the full season. I think if they had their druthers, they would have started the year with Garoppolo. He would have had him in a decent position. And then they would have made a transition to Trey Lance at some point who is now ready to try to elevate that offense, a la San Francisco going Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick back in 2012. I think that was kind of the goal, the evolution of the offense being get the dual threat in there to make plays with his feet and his arm. And it just didn't happen. We'll get to the props for this game a little bit later on, but that spread we
0: mentioned, three and a half. And my, my concern uh, with, and I'll give our, our play on this later during pick six, but the reason why I lean towards the Rams, Trent Williams' injury at left tackle with that ankle, and I know Whitworth is also hurt for the Rams, who's coming back from an injury, but against Von Miller, who has really turned it on and, and looks great and looks like the Von Miller that he was in Denver uh, prior to this season and prior to the trade, Aaron Donald, we know about that. I, I, I think that injury is going to be a major problem for that 49ers on the left side of the offensive line. And that, that's where I look at this. Is if, if Trent Williams was 100%, I think I would consider taking the 49ers at plus 3.5. I like the Rams, though, minus 3.5. Uh, considering that that injury and then what we saw last week which was Matthew Stafford making the throws that we never saw Jared Goff being able to make and Odell Beckham Jr. looks like the Odell Beckham Jr. from a couple of years ago when he was a thousand plus yard receiver and one of the best receivers in football continue that on the other side we'll also get to the Chiefs and Bills uh, Chiefs AFC title game of course after the Chiefs went over the Bills here it's the Sunday spread on BetQL. Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. We continue here on the Sunday Spread, a championship weekend for us here. Our pick six still to come. And, of course, some of those prop bets. whole bunch of prop bets to take a look at for both the the NFC game we already spent some time on and, of course, uh, also the AFC title game, which is where we kind of turn our attention here. The Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, the fourth straight AFC title game hosted in Kansas City, the the first franchise to be able to do that. Uh, Certainly remarkable to be in that position, Grant. I think we'll get to the the, the spread, 7.5 over at FanDuel. It was 7 for much of the week at a lot of books, including FanDuel, but bumped up to 7.5, the total at 54.5. But certainly there's... There's big picture uh, and the dynasty word and the legacy word. And, and I don't know how you categorize dynasties and whether or not uh, Kansas City with a Super Bowl this year, if that puts in that conversation or not. This would be not only so their fourth straight AFC title game now, they would have the, a chance to go to their third straight Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes has a chance to maybe get his second ring. You're outside Kansas City, so I'm curious to get your perspective because I can tell you how everybody's feeling here in KC about that. But how do you view dynasties in sports uh,
1: specifically with the NFL? So it's funny you said that. We started talking about this here in D.C. even before last year's Super Bowl. Now obviously, they lost, so it completely changed the arithmetic. Uh, I think because it would just be the second Super Bowl win, you're still short of a dynasty. I, I, for me, you know that you know once happens, two is coincidence or whatever they say. Three's the trend. I think you have to have three in like a five-year span or something like that. So I would refer to them as a dynasty. Uh, after they win this Super Bowl, if they did that, and then if they were back in the Super Bowl next year, they'd have a chance to kind of solidify themselves. But they're an AFC dynasty right now, I can tell you that, because they win the AFC year in and year out. A um, little bit short for me on the math. Why? What do people say in Kansas City? Yeah, so no, there, it's kind
0: of a mixed bag. I mean, the feeling here
1: is, for, for Kansas
0: City, if, if for example, if they got three in six years even, that that, that in today's modern-day age of the NFL, I'd how is that, that not... You know, how is that not a dynasty as well? And certainly, look, I mean, if they if they get past Cincinnati and that's that's still a, a, an if, of course, which we'll talk about here in a second, uh, then they, they still have to take care of business in a couple weeks after that. But if they were to lose in that game, well, then, of course, then, then that's completely out the window. Yes, three trips, but only one ring then you're talking about them needing to get two or, you know, two in a row after that. Right. I mean, so I I think it requires certainly them winning a Super Bowl this year to have that legitimate conversation, but but yeah, the AFC, I mean, they control this AFC, the the Buffalo bills, of course, have come very, very close Cincinnati, perhaps a year early or perhaps they're going to shock the world a little bit and and all of a sudden be a much bigger part of the conversation in in the AFC a year early. And, And that's, what's interesting about this game, Grant. I mean, these two teams, unlike when we talked about Buffalo, these two teams just saw each other back in week 17. I mean, this was not that long ago. We can't sit back and say, well, the Chiefs or Cincinnati is so much different than what they were. There really isn't a lot that has changed about these two teams, right? I mean, Kansas City either yeah, their left tackle. Orlando Brown uh, got hurt in warm-ups, and so then their right tackle shifted to left tackle. He got hurt in the game, and then Joe Tooney, the left guard, had to play left tackle, but they actually held up pretty nicely – so, okay, that, that's one change. Uh, Jarek McKinnon uh, wasn't a factor yet for the Chiefs. Okay, that's a change. Uh, but other than that, man, from both sides, not a whole lot has changed. And that was a 34-31 win for Cincinnati. And Jamar Chase just torched this Chiefs defense for 266. That's been a huge focus, of course, of conversation here in Kansas City after seeing Gabriel Davis light them up for four touchdowns. And that'll be, that'll, that'll be one of the focuses uh, on, on Sunday afternoon for this game. Tyron Matthew is going to be so vital for the Chiefs in this matchup. And he's been in concussion protocol all week. And it looks like he's trending to being available for this game. Because once Tyron Matthew was out of that game last week, Gabriel Davis had the middle of the field wide open. And it was it was an embarrassment. Uh, not to mention Josh Allen was just on. And I don't know down the final two minutes if anybody was stopping either either quarterback there. How do, how do you view the, the first matchup? Because here in Kansas City, there's a lot of thought that, all right, Jamar Chase got 266 and they still needed a third and 26 conversion, they being Cincinnati, and some things to break their way near the goal line. Officiating, of course, is brought up. I'm never one to say officiating costs the team a game, but it definitely was a factor in the game. How do you view
1: that matchup compared to now? So have it, I went back this week and watched that game, and what I came away thinking was, while the Bengals won that game, that, that was, as, as far as I'm concerned, kind of a lucky win, if you will. Uh, they were down fourteen nothing early. They were down by a couple massive deficits, and then they needed fifty things to go their way, and forty-eight of them did, and they ended up escaping uh, by the hair on their chinny chin chin. I think that game was irreplicable. I, I really do. And that we're talking about huge chunk plays, you know, huge coverage busts, these massive plays that took place. It was not a let's line up and we're going to be better than you kind of game that would be sustainable or a model that you would replicate right they had almost 500 yards and basically like 13 first downs on offense you mentioned the third and 26 I mean there are just things that you can't count on happening again that happened Burrow was unbelievable 446 and four touchdowns Chase as you said had an all-time performance 11 grabs 266 and three scores but again a lot of the things that took place just aren't going to happen again this weekend so in a different style of game in a different uh, game altogether can you still find a way to outdo the Chiefs and I think they're going to have some problems I mean there are a couple of things I would say though just as keys coming out of that game most notably how Kansas City's defense defends Cincinnati's offense I heard a stat uh, from uh, Pro Football Focus this week that I really liked which was in that game uh, when The Chiefs operated with a a two-high look. They were much more effective. And when they went single high defensively, they allowed 12.3 yards per play in that game. So, due to the Bengals, what teams do to you, I would keep a couple safeties high. I would allocate one to the side of the field that Jamar Chase is on. I'm bracketing him. At times, I'm doubling him. I'm paying him extra attention. I'm pulling a Bill Belichick game plan here. Someone's gonna beat me. You know that it's not Jamar Chase. Yep. This yeah. is make a it, Higgins, be Higgins. Game. Yep. Yeah, this is a Tyler Boyd game. But that dude's not going for eleven and over two hundred. <laughs> yeah, you know, he yeah, might I get. Mean, he might go seven for a hundred, but he's gonna have a much different game because I'm going to ensure that, and that would be the first adjustment I would make. No question. And you know the, the feeling here about that
0: game as well was not just one player, Charvarius Ward, who had a rough day against Chase, but. Fenton, Tyron Matthew, I an mean, entire secondary was off. And, and to your point about the coverage look, too, I mean, I, I would like to believe, even though Steve Spagnola, the, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, he, he's going to blitz, right? That's his M.O. That's his style. That's why he's had success. He is going to blitz, but hopefully learn their lesson a little bit on, hey, you know what? It's all right on a third and 26 for us to give up 15 yards. That's okay. Let's not go man-to-man and allow them to get 30 yards on a third and 26 like they did the last go-around. And so I, we, we also know they're going to get pressure on Joe Burrow. And they got four sacks in the first matchup. We know Tennessee got nine on, on Joe Burrow in a, in a loss last week. But Kansas City had a couple opportunities with Tyron Matthew and Rashad Fenton, the Chiefs corner, uh, where there were a few whiffs on a couple sacks. Now, Joe Burrow gets credit for that, of course, for being able to elude them. But they had some clean looks and clean shots, and and they weren't able to have success doing that. So I I look at this, and I think it's very important if you get the seven or the seven and a half grand for obvious reasons, but really in this game. Because I see this like a 35-28 win for Kansas City, and here's how I see it playing out. I think five minutes or so to go, it's 35-21. Kansas City is never really feeling like they're going to lose this game. 35-21, garbage time touchdown with about a minute 30 to go. And then the final score ends up 30, you know, 35-28. And so if you got Cincinnati plus seven and a half, you're happy. If you got them at seven, you're looking at a push. I think that's how this game goes. And I know a lot of people are looking at the total of 54 and a half and feeling like, oh, this is going to be uh, the under because, well, last week, Kansas City and Buffalo, that was ridiculous, and there's going to be a letdown and all that. I just don't – I mean, Kansas City's scoring 30-plus points, and the Chiefs aren't holding Cincinnati because I love Joe Burrow and that offense to 10 points, okay? Like, I, I, Cincinnati is going to score 17 at least in this
1: game against the Chiefs. And so I, I like the over in this game as well. Yeah, I love the over in this game for sure, and I think it's going to take some second half back and forth and some late Bengals production to get you there. But I'm with you. The over's probably going to hit here. Um, I, I like what you drew up as the, the game script in that I think, like you do, uh, the Chiefs could be at risk of a backdoor cover. I like them to win the game. But seven and a half against this team, the, the way the Bengals are playing, and specifically this offense and Burrow, the way he's been lighting it up, it just seems like a lot of points. It's, it's a little bit ominous, and, and we can make our final picks here coming up. I, I would say this, though, about the pass rush for Kansas City. You know, There's a couple things about Joe Burrow. Um, that need to be cleaned up here. So he's unbelievable. I love Burrow. I've loved him like everyone else since he was at LSU. He's a superstar in the making. Yeah, coolest guy in the league. Not even close. Absolutely. But you don't hear people talking about this, and it's it's an area where he's really struggled. You know, the nine sacks last week against the Titans, everyone just says, well, the Bengals' offensive line is terrible. Well, sacks are both on the (laughs) offensive line, and they're on the quarterbacks, okay? We know the offensive line for the Bengals is not particularly good. But it is now Joe Burrow's job to elevate and help that line. And it is now uh, Zach Taylor's job to elevate and help that line. If you look at Joe Burrow's pressure rate becoming a sack, it happens at an extremely high clip. What does that mean? It means he doesn't help his offensive line as much as he needs to. As an example, this year, 27.6% of the time when he was pressured, he got sacked. Only Baker Mayfield was worse than that. OK, and again, this is one of those great little PFF stats that they keep for you. But he's on a, in a tier with like Zach Wilson and the immobile Ben Roethlisberger and a bunch of rookie quarterbacks. You saw him take two really bad sacks last week. One should have taken him out of field goal range. And their rookie kicker, Zach McPherson, bailed him out from like 53. And the other did take him out of field goal range. Like Those are pretty inexcusable things in the playoffs. Nobody talked about it because Joe Cool won the game. Again, I love Joe Burrow. But this is an area where he's got to help. And he also – here's the problem, I guess. It's a good thing. He makes so many plays downfield in those situations. It's like Aaron Rodgers early in his career when we talked about he's holding the ball too long, it's too many sacks. But you look at the numbers and it's like, well, he threw three touchdowns because he held the ball too long too. Joe Burrow's got the best passer rating under pressure. So, like, when he can get the ball off, it's 55 yards to Chase, it's 35 to Higgins. It works. It works. But the, the problem is that there's enough of it working that now you do it too much. And what happens is that Titans game. So I say all that to say, Chris Jones is a better rusher, in my opinion, than anybody the Titans had coming after you last week. Him matching up against, uh, I think it's a, Akeem Adeneji, it was going to be against him. Like, he might be able to, to dominate that matchup. So this is a game where Joe Burrow has to be more efficient, in the pocket, get the ball out a little bit quicker. Zach Taylor's got to help him call in some quick game. And when I heard some of those numbers on the pressure rate turning into sacks via PFF, I, I thought, this is not all on this offensive line. Like It's, Burrow's it's not. Got look, to help. look.
0: Look, it's not. I mean, the, the offensive line sucks, all right? The offensive line sticks. It does. But you're, you're right. I mean, Joe Burrow probably should have only been sacked six times, not nine, okay? So, I mean, it's still, like, you're right. I mean, it, six is still not very, very good, to say the least. But you're right. Like, he— it's weird because there's the balance of I think we all recognize Joe Burrow is calm and cool in the pocket, right? He, he's very calm and cool in the pocket, but in a weird way, it's become too calm and cool to your point where it's like he holds onto the ball a little too long. That's the balance that I think he has to figure out, but that well, let's let's not let's not kid ourselves. That offensive line does stink and you're right about Chris Jones. I got a prop bet on, on Melvin Ingram that I absolutely love. I think there's great value on Melvin Ingram to get a sack in this game because of that and they got Joe Burrow four times the, the first go around, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see how Zach Taylor the first 15. If they come out uh, trying to get quick hitters, to your point, or do they try to establish a little bit of Joe Mixon early on to try to alleviate some so of that I pass think it's rush two as well? Things.
1: You can obviously run on the Chiefs, right? I don't think you score a lot of points running the football generally, but they're 31st out of 32 teams in yards per play defensively, stopping the run. And this has been a several-year thing. I mean, you can run on on Spags' defense. We know that. Sure. I think they're going to have to mix some of that in. I'd like to see them do it in good situations. Like not just to do it, but maybe when they're playing an extra DB or something like that, and, and you get a good look. My bigger game plan, though, if I'm the Bengals, is is qu- like a quick passing game. A lot of what they do is longer developing downfield stuff, but I I like when teams just kind of you get a one on one matchup on the outside. Let's smoke a ball out there. You know, you get a, a cushion or something. You know, let's let's get the ball in Jamar Chase's hands at the line of scrimmage he turned the ball upfield. was the fastest player running in the playoffs in like six years on that little bubble he got or a little quick screen whatever you call the slip screen against the titans it's like that kind of stuff to me those little runs that are fast or throws in the backfield to joe mix and his prop is 39 and a half or something this week like that kind of stuff works as a running game that's what i would be doing if i'm zach taylor i'm with you on jamar chase too because you mentioned
0: his speed and athleticism also Kansas City I mean if there's there's certainly weaknesses there and besides the run and it is the speed and athleticism they they're, they're not they are not a quick defense whatsoever. I mean speed really hurts this Chiefs defense. Now they've certainly been able to scheme things up to put some guys in some good spots, but that is an area especially at the linebackers other than Willie Gay Jr. Uh, they are slow. Anthony Hitchens, even Nick Bolton, who's very talented rookie that led the team in tackles and it had, it has a great season. Not very athletic in terms of in coverage, right? Neither is Ben Neiman. I mean, so that's an area where you definitely can expose them. We'll, we'll give you some props. You mentioned the Joe Mixon one. Coming up next, we've got our pick six, our favorite plays for championship weekend, and our favorite prop bets as well. Maybe throwing a Hail Mary. We'll see. It's the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold on BeckQL. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL. Thanks again for hanging out with us, uh, especially those of you watching on Twitch. You can watch us there, twitch.tv slash BetQL. Alex Gold uh, and Grant Paulson. We'll get to some props for both of these championship weekend games. uh, And let's start with the NFC game involving the Rams and the 49ers, that one in LA and I think there's certainly a bevy of props now that we get to championship weekend and soon to be the, the, the big game as well here in a couple weeks. That's what's fun about this time. That you got to, Usually, uh, you know, it's maybe an adventure to find some of these props. There's only a handful. There are plenty to take a look at, Grant. I, I wanted to, to turn your attention to one that I think is kind of interesting for this game. It's Cam Akers once again. We talked a lot about him last week with Sony Michelle as well. Cam Akers total rushing yards over at FanDuel, 57 and a half. Last week, we all saw what happened. Uh, It was the Cam Akers show. I know he fumbled. Unless you believe Sean McVay is going to look at the fumbles and be concerned about that. But Sonny Michel, all of a sudden, even when they got near the red zone, Sonny Michel was kind of MIA, was not getting carries. It's, to me, a a great sign if you're someone that likes Cam Akers this weekend. I I don't believe the fumbles, man. I don't believe that that's going to hurt Cam Akers' uh, carries in this game. I think they're going to go back to him. I think they recognize uh, what he brings to the table and how fresh he is. So I like the over for Cam Akers in this game, 57 and a half rushing yards, because I think he's become the
1: guy now the last week or so. Well, he certainly has uh, the game plan for the LA has to be to try to run the ball. By the way, one of the reasons the 49ers have beaten them twice is they've stopped their run game. They averaged 3.1 yards per carry this year against the Niners and Matt Stafford and this offense have just been different when they haven't had the ability to suck some linebackers up and hit some stuff over the top and play action as one of the leading teams in yards per attempt this season. So yeah, I think you're going to see a bunch of Cam Akers. As you said, the, the the reason for pause, and this is the one reason I've hesitated on that this week, is he didn't just fumble once, he fumbled twice. Yeah. In fact, yeah. he fumbled on his final carry of the game as well, and it could have cost the Rams the game. Now, you know, if they had another drive coming up, maybe you would have seen Sony Michelle, as you said, with a full week to prepare and to scold him properly or do whatever it is that they (laughs) wanted to do. I like to think they go back to him because he is just more explosive. He brings a burst. He's fresher. You could just see it when he's running. And Sony Michelle got this offense, got this running game going and provided a shot in the arm this year. So he's well earned with whatever uh, trophy or ring or or whatever they're able to earn the rest of the way. But Cam Akers is is kind of their go-to guy. My favorite prop in this game is actually a rushing prop as well. It's on the other side of the ball. I love debo samuel at 40 and a half rushing yards absolutely love it now if you live under a rock and you think of him as a wide receiver and you see that number you'd go (laughs) that's insanity but this guy's not a wide receiver this guy is a you know he's anquan bolden but then he's like clinton portis in this offense when you put him in the backfield it's ridiculous he runs through tackles he gets to the edge you know he rips off every single week it seems like a 10 or 12 or 15 yard run Uh, i think that the 49ers have one formula to be really good on offense and one formula as it turns out to beat the LA Rams and that's through Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell in the running game. They know that. So I think you're going to see Debo get eight, nine, 10, 11 carries to go along with seven, eight targets. We've seen him recently against this team that he's playing have 140 all-purpose yards on 12 touches. So I think you're going to see more than 12 touches for him. I think Kyle Shanahan wants to involve him, needs to involve him. I'll go over 40 and a half rushing yards for Debo Samuel.
0: I like the the logic behind it. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if you're San Francisco and you're going to win this game, Debo Samuel has to have a huge, huge role in that. And as you pointed out, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean he's catching eight passes, uh, but he's, he's going to be running the ball significantly throughout this game. I, I think uh, I'll stick with uh, a wide receiver, but actually look at receiving yards. And it's someone that... I think a lot of people counted out and said uh, maybe even washed up, but it's Odell Beckham Jr. who has been fantastic since about week 17 or so of this season. He has been a fantastic addition to that offense, and where would they be without him after Robert Woods, of course, went down in that practice the day of. I think it was the deal was official, which was just terrible, terrible timing, but also in a weird way, great timing that they happen to have Odell Beckham Jr. coming in. His number is at 50 and a half receiving yards in this game. With the way Matthew Stafford has been playing, uh, with what I think they're going to have to do, Odell Beckham Jr. clearly is is someone that's now involved in this offense. It's not just the name; he is actually uh, serving a crucial <coughs> excuse me a crucial role in this offense. So I like the over fifty and a half for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, in this game.
1: Yeah, I like him on an anytime touchdown. I've actually got that in a parlay for this game. You now the yardage, depending on weeks uh, sometimes is higher or lower with him and I think that's where he's a little bit less consistent but the Van Jefferson injury this week I think does help him some in that normally Van Jefferson's the guy they're targeting on downfield shots and they still may if he plays but I think there's also the opportunity that OBJ's running one or two of those routes so maybe he catches you know the, the 20 yard dig or the 27 yard throw behind everybody something like that that gets you that prop so I actually like that a ton as well. I would also say, by the way, just one more for me in that game Stafford passing yards, I feel good about 277 and um, a half. It's a high number, but again, this is such a big play offense. You look at their YPA this year, you know, it's elite. You saw the end of the game with the big throw downfield to Cooper Cup. You know, they generally hit one of those somewhere in just about every single game on a deep shot. So you're probably going to need that 45, 50 yard throw in there somewhere, but. I think if they win, which I am predicting them to, Stafford's going to be over 280 passing yards because their offense is going to be making some big plays and staying on the field. All right, let's
0: go over to the AFC side. Uh, We'll give our our final picks uh, in in a second when it comes to the sides and the totals. But continuing the prop bet trend here on on BetQL, Chiefs and and Bengals. We already mentioned Jamar Chase the first go-around, 266 yards. Uh, His receiving total, uh, it's bounced around throughout the week. It is at 85.5 at FanDuel. It opened at 82.5 yards. Uh, Not surprisingly, it's been bet up after everybody takes a look at what happened a couple weeks ago. And I I think you have to take the over still here, even though I I believe the Chiefs will have a better plan on him. And they did a good job on Stephon Diggs this past week, as a matter of fact. Uh, in Buffalo, uh, but Jamar Chase is better than Stephon Diggs. All right. Uh, he, he just flat out is. He's far more uh, explosive to me than Stephon Diggs is. That's not to say Diggs isn't a talented receiver, but Jamar Chase to me is on a different level uh, than him in terms of explosive plays. You mentioned the ability to take a, you know, a five yard screen and turn it into 65 yards the other way for a touchdown. I like the over here for Jamar Chase, 85 and a half. I don't think he's he's getting 150 yards or 200 yards receiving, but I have to take the over, I feel like, here with Jamar Chase because even if you you, you believe Kelsey does a better job, we know with Joe Burrow, he's going to just throw a couple balls up in the air and hope Jamar Chase gets it. And, and I'm going to guess that Jamar Chase is coming down with a couple of them. So I like the over Jamar Chase, 85 and a half.
1: Yeah, they're going to pay him way more attention, so you'd have to imagine he's going to have way worse a day than he had last time. So let's split his yards in half and he gets to one (laughs) thirty, right? (laughs) I mean, I I don't think he's going to go to one thirty, but I'm with you. I got you the mid 80s. Everyone says, oh, well, he's not going to have as big a day. Yeah, well, he could have a third of that and still hit his prop basically. Uh, So I'll take the over. I don't love it. It's it's not something that I'm like rushing to do at FanDuel. But if you're making me pick a play, I would take the over on that. A couple of things I do like in this game. Uh, From a Bengals standpoint, I'm leaning. I feel frisky about a Tyler Boyd over on 39 and a half. I think it's going to be a somebody else type game. Um, T Higgins is up and he's down and he's a really, really good player. Second round pick out of Clemson who's in his second year. But uh, I think Boyd could be the guy that actually feasts off of the opportunities from the extra attention on uh, Jamar Chase, number one. And then on the other side, this is pretty much just about any time Kansas City plays in the playoffs. But I'm always over Patrick Mahomes. It's generally around 285 to 295. If he doesn't throw for 300 yards, generally, I always try to just eat myself up. Because he's, he's going to do that. <laughs> and I'll pair that with Travis Kelsey. Kelsey exactly. sitting at 75 and a hook. I want to say it's five straight playoff games over a hundred six times this year.
0: Yeah, so it's four straight. But I'll give him the
1: fifth because he had 96 last week. So I'll go ahead and say yeah. it's five straight. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's just almost automatic with him in these yeah. postseason games with their A offense operating on all cylinders, barring him coming up lame or missing some time getting in the blue tent. I mean, he's going for over 75 yards. So I'll put those two things together, Mahomes and Kelsey.
0: I love the Kelsey play. You're absolutely right about what you just said about the playoffs when it comes to Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's going – he had 50 yards, I think, with two minutes to go, and then he ends up with 96, as we know how crazy that game got as well. But he's he's the most trusted weapon that Mahomes has. If you caught the mic'd up segment this week on Inside the NFL, that relationship and the trust and the ability to alter routes uh, and just be able to almost just know where each other are going to be without even saying things is, is just remarkable. So I like that. My favorite prop, though, honestly, for the game, if we're just looking at value, over at FanDuel, they have a sack prop for Melvin Ingram, the Chiefs pass rusher, to get a sack just to get sack 250. If it was minus 120, it's I, a different story. We're having a different conversation. At plus 250, against an offensive line and a quarterback, as we discussed, that is prone to getting sacked, at plus 250, I really love this prop bet. Uh, and I, I think some of our friends over here on BetQL, I was on with uh, the guys on BetMGM bet tonight, earlier this week, and that was one I gave them, and I think they love it now. And I was surprised it's still at plus 250. It's been at plus 250 since Tuesday. And here we are on the Sunday spread, and it's still plus 250. I think he has an opportunity to run into one. I get that he only has two sacks on the season, um, but he's been all around the quarterback this year.
1: Yeah, anything you can get as far as needing one sack, I think is pretty juicy. And if you're getting plus totals on a good edge rusher, that seems like the kind of bet you want to make as far as I'm concerned. It's not going to be nine sacks. like That was a a crazy thing because there was only like 16 pressures. So almost all the sacks, uh, pressures rather turn into sacks, which again, Joe Burrow, help help your O-line out a little bit here. Zach Taylor, help your O-line out a little bit. You go into the game knowing they're not good, you are good. So <laughs> elevate them. <clears throat> Having said that, I think it'll look a little bit more like the Chiefs game the first time in week 17. I think they had four sacks and it was on 15 pressures or something like that, which is a much more normal bad rate. Like You don't want that rate, but that's normal bad. Nine sacks on 15 pressures or whatever is like unheard of.
0: All right, we got about a minute or so left. We kind of led you into it when we were talking about each game, but where's your final plays for both the Chiefs game with the Cincinnati Bengals and then the Rams and the Niners?
1: Yeah, I'll be quick here. I like the Rams to cover. I just think they're hot, they're rolling, and they're really, really good. And they've been waiting all year for this game. And seven and a half points is just too many for this Bengals offense in Burrow. I think the Chiefs win comfortably. Could be a backdoor cover, but I like Cincy to cover the number.
0: We're actually on the same page on this. I think the Trent Williams injury is a big problem for the 49ers. Uh, I like the Rams to cover the three and a half. And if you get Cincy at plus seven and a half, I like it. For those of you that took Cincy plus seven earlier in the week, I'm afraid you might be looking at a push or a loss because I think it's a, you know, 35, 28 type of game. Enjoy championship weekend. Of course, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl for the next couple weeks as well. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Thanks for hanging out with us. And don't forget giving props to that QL contest, your chance at $2,000 each and every week. We'll talk to you next week. Sunday, Get all your wagertainment with the You Better You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.